Welcome to this week's edition of Ocean Allison, where I bring you the best in ocean science, education, and conservation through conversations with people who are creating positive change for the ocean. This week's podcast episode is brought to you by Bodie Surf School's 4th Annual Ocean Guardian Contest. From October 1st to 10th, all ocean and environmental advocates are invited to submit a short video explaining how you're making change for our blue and green planet. The grand prize winner gets a 7-day eco-conscious surf and yoga trip for two to Costa Rica. For more contest details, visit BodhiSurfSchool.com, that's B-O-D-H-I SurfSchool.com, and find them on Instagram at Ocean Guardians. Like me, Bodhi Surf School appreciates those creating positive change for the ocean. And now to this week's episode. This week's Ocean Advocate is Janice Selby-Jones. Janice is a resource teacher in Oceanside, California, with a passion for documenting, collecting, transforming, and uncovering the mysteries behind beach litter she finds on her local beach. Hi, Janice. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, very excited to have you on the show. To give our listeners a little bit of background, Janice and I met a few years ago, actually, via social media. We started following each other on Instagram, and I really liked what she was doing. She really liked what I was doing, and we would kind of just support each other on there via comments and likes and things like that. And then a little over a year ago, Janice and I actually got to meet in person. I was working on a project in Antarctica. Some of you guys might remember. I've mentioned it a few times on here. I was uh, doing a lot of outreach at schools all over San Diego and some other parts of the country, talking to K-12 through students about the science that was being done in Antarctica that I was helping to get out to the public. And I was posting on social media about the fact that I was doing that. And Janice reached out and was like, oh my gosh, can you please come to my school? This would be amazing for the students at my school to hear about. Um, So we got to meet. I came to her school and talked to, I think like 100 fourth graders or something. And they were really excited, really into it, super knowledgeable, like really great kids. I was really impressed and also really happy to meet Janice. And now here we are today. Janice is on the podcast and you guys can all learn about what she does at her school as well as what she does in terms of collecting beach litter, which I mentioned in the intro. So Janice, I want to start out by asking you, you're an environmentalist, you're a teacher. We can get to kind of the beach plastic and art things that you do a little bit later. So how do you take your environmentalist ideals and your love for the ocean and helping the environment and translate that into your school, whether it's through programs that you put on. I know we've talked a little bit about a green team that you started at your school, which is awesome. How do you take those ideals that you have and inject them into the students' lives and perspectives and your school's activities? Well, I'd like to begin by saying one of the one of the ways is by uh, communicating, collaborating, connecting with people outside of our school. For example, how you explained how you and I met and trying to bring people in like you to talk to our kids. The school where I work is actually in a um, a low-income area, and the kids don't have access to a lot of 
outside resources outside of what they get at school. So having folks like you and your visit was really special for us. Having people like you come and interact with the kids has a really positive, powerful impact on them. And you mentioned the green team, which I've just been processing all my applications for green team. We had 125 kids apply to be on our green team this year, and we're a fairly small school. So a good percentage of our student body want to participate in that program. And when they're signing up for it, it means they're helping with recycling and picking up trash. And they bring so much more to me than I can bring to them through their enthusiasm and excitement. So the green team is really powerful, and the parent support with that is also great. And then I've also been doing some work with students with my actual beach plastic and having them create with that and interact with that and do writing around that. I presented at a couple of summer camps um, and did work with the kids directly with the beach plastic that I've picked up off of the beach. So that was really fun also. So if you had to put it into words, you you mentioned that these students really bring you so much by the initiatives that they choose to take part in at your school. What would you say that their reaction to participating in the green team or hearing a speaker come to their school and talk about, you know, for instance, what I talked about, or being a part of the recycling program, what is their reaction typically? Their excitement and enthusiasm is just overwhelming. For example, one parent recently told me that her son was talking about what he wants to be when he grows up. And through his interactions with the green team, now when they go to the beach, he wants to clean the beach, and um, we've been collecting bottle caps for a project with bottle caps, so he's really into that. And then the most touching thing is mom told me they were discussing what he wanted to be when he grows up, and he said, you know, I think I might want to be an environmentalist. And he's a child who wouldn't even necessarily know that there were such things as environmentalists if we weren't giving them these kind of opportunities. So I don't know, might grow up to be a fireman or who knows, but just the idea that he knows that that possibility is out there for him is really a great thing. That's really amazing. I love that story. And so to kind of shift the conversation a little bit, I definitely want to talk about the beach plastic and litter that you pick up because it's absolutely amazing what you've been able to do. I want to start out by asking you, you've obviously been visiting the beach for many years, and I want to ask, what was kind of the catalyst for changing your perspective to being a kind of regular beachgoer where you go to the beach and you enjoy and you have fun, which is great, to going to the beach and noticing the trash that's there and the plastic pollution that washes up on the shore, noticing those things and, you know, obviously wanting to do something about it. What changed that perspective for you? Several things happened, actually. One of the main things is that my sister and her husband are actually artists who work with beach plastic and they live up in the Bay Area in Marin County and they've been collecting plastic from Kehoe Beach in Point Reyes for probably 15 years. So they inspired me to be more aware of my environmental impact and to be more of a conscientious consumer. 
but it wasn't until just a few years ago that I really became actively involved in the movement. And several things happened around the same time that kind of brought it all together for me. Again, social media, somebody tweeted me a link to Literati, which is a crowdsourced Instagram website. They now have an app movement that just encourages people to pick up litter, take a photo, post it, tag it. And Jeff Kirshner, who started Literati, has something called the Digital Landfill. So he tracks and monitors the, the litter and is hoping to change habits through Literati. So I found out about Literati. And about that same time, I was taking a course, a MOOC, a massive online open course, and one of the activities in that course was to take a learning walk. And I decided to take my learning walk at the beach. And as I was walking along, the thing I kept noticing were plastic water bottles and soda bottles. So I just found out about Literati. I took this walk at the beach, saw all of this plastic. And then the final thing that happened is my husband and I actually discovered a new beach. Well, it's not a new beach. It's been there for eternities, but it was new to us. It's a beach in northern San Diego County that's a little bit more remote than the other beaches where I used to walk. And for some reason, that beach to me seems to be a place where more marine debris washes up than the other beaches where I had walked before. So those kind of three things all happened within a short period of time. And really brought everything together, connected it for me. And ever since then, I've been passionate about doing my beach cleans regularly. When you go to the beach, which I, I, I know you go at least a few times a week pretty regularly, when you go, what do you do? Like, what's your kind of routine in terms of picking up and documenting and putting on social media and all that kind of stuff? Well, I go for three purposes, actually. I go, one, to get my exercise, and two, it's doing the environmental thing, and then three, it's also a creative outlet because I do enjoy posting my photos to social media, and initially, I just hashtag literati, but then I came to find out about Two Minute Beach Clean, which is out of England, and Take Three for the Sea out of Australia, and then more recently, um, Toby Brown has started something called Just Grab It, so it's just grown since I started. Um, to be honest, I don't, I can't pick up every piece of litter that I see, and it's not just litter. It's, some of it's litter, and I think that's one thing that people don't understand. They think I'm just pe picking up trash that people have left there from their picnics or barbecues or whatever. There's some of that, but a lot of it is obviously washed up that's been out in the ocean it got swept out with the runoff for whatever reason it's come back to shore but I, I can't possibly pick up everything that I see because by the time I get back to my car it, it, there's just too much for me to carry so I am selective sometimes I hate to admit that because I just wish I could get all of it but I can't so I do look for things that I might be able to use in my making or my photography and things that can be recycled things that I can put in the CRV bin, a lot of styrofoam and stuff. I just honestly, I have to pass it by because there's too, sadly, there's too much of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is a struggle that anybody has that's trying to do a beach clean at the beach. You know, 
you could go on for hours and days and weeks cleaning up the beaches of San Diego County. And I actually had the founder of Two Minute Beach Clean on the podcast, Martin Dory. You guys might remember listeners, him being on the podcast and talking about his initiatives. He really likes the two minute concept because people can kind of stop after two minutes and maybe not feel guilty like they have to take up their entire day cleaning up the beach. So I think it's a really great point that you bring up. You you don't pick up every single piece that you see. You have to be realistic. You know, you're there to exercise and have fun and be creative and also try to do something good for the environment. So I can definitely relate. I think a lot of people can, but I think it's good to be realistic. And I think it's uh, equally great that you document what you're picking up, these plastic water bottles and other items and you share them on social media because I think that's really powerful. One thing that I also find really interesting in looking at your website, your blog site, is that you, you're you really great at categorizing the trash that you're finding. So like you have these different categories on your website of plastic water bottles or even specific brands that you continuously find like Subway or uh, the $1.99 store. Can you talk a little bit about why the documenting is important, why the categorizing is important to you, and really trying to lay it out there in a clear and concise way for yourself and for others? I started kind of categorizing and putting them into different types because I was putting together a show up in the Bay Area in Sausalito at the Bay Model. And I was putting together a show primarily of my photographs that were taken for um, social media. But on my iPhone, I had them blown up really large and hung in the gallery. And I have so many photographs of so many things that just to begin to try to figure out how to put that show together, I started saving my images in separate categories. So, for example, might be branded litter, balloons, beach toys. They're definite categories of things that I find. So at first it was for the purposes of putting together the show and just kind of wrapping my mind around what's most prevalent and how those things kind of fit together. It kind of became a habit. And it helps me to process it and think about it and to decide what photos I want to post to Instagram because I don't post every photo that I take by any means. I try to find interesting different things to post. For example, this week I posted a photo of a Coppertone suntan lotion bottle that must be from the 60s or the 70s that ended up, you know, laying out there on the sand at the beach one day. So I do look for things that are interesting and different and that also represent the kind of categories of things that are most prevalent on the beach. And so beyond documenting the types of litter that you're finding on the beach, you also collect a lot of it. You pick it up, you take it home rather than just picking it up and throwing it away. You mentioned previously you you make art out of the plastic pollution and other items that you find on the beach. My question is, what has the addition of art in kind of this chain of events? You know, you, you go to the beach, you find some litter, you pick it up. Now you're making art from it. You mentioned your sister makes art. So obviously that's probably some kind of inspiration there, some connection. Very but much, yes. 
Yeah. So, but what has the addition of art in this chain of events done for you and, and also for others, do you think? I started with the photographs and that in itself is kind of an art, but then, yeah, I, I started to make things and the making piece, getting your hands on with it and playing with it. It's really play. It's really, to me, it's just about play and having fun with it and looking how, at how different things go together. But then ultimately for the viewer and my sister, who, yes, is my inspiration and her husband, Richard, they and myself also, now that I'm doing similar things, want to engage the viewer. The plastic is really beautiful when you look at it and you don't know what it is. It's brightly colored. It's interesting shapes and sizes. And it kind of draws the viewer in. And then you kind of connect with it after you've been drawn in and think, oh my gosh, that's an old toothbrush or that's somebody's comb or could that be my comb that's on that piece that, you know, I lost. So it makes people think about it in a different way. And the pieces that I've made are all, see, they're all kind of playful and humor along with it. And I think drawing people in through the playfulness and the humor and the color really, it makes you think in a different way. In fact, I've read some research before I did the presentations with students over the summer with my beach plastic. I was reading different pieces of research, and one researcher wrote about the fact that the scary images that people see, the image of the birds with the plastic in their stomachs or the turtle with the plastic six-pack ring band, those kind of images don't motivate people. They actually kind of demotivate them because the fear factor doesn't bring people to want to make a change. It's bringing them in in other ways that help them to want to be involved and make a change, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a great point and obviously a really important pillar of this podcast is people that are creating positive change for the ocean, like yourself, because I believe highlighting people that are doing positive things, whether it's because they're trying to combat a negative, it's it's more inspiring to listeners, I believe. So I love that you brought that up because I do think that making playful, fun, kind of interesting, humorous art out of these plastic pieces is a really great way to go about spreading this message and also having fun for yourself, like you mentioned. Yeah, it engages people on a different level than when you look at something and you're kind of shocked and you want to turn away and you want to pretend like you didn't see it. It's It's a totally different experience. Yeah, exactly. So on that note, one of my favorite art pieces, you could say, that you've made, which I've never seen actually in person, but seen lots of pictures online, which look absolutely hilarious and awesome, are the short-sighted shades that you've created. Can you describe what short-sighted shades are to listeners? I can. Short-sighted shades are sunglasses. I have so many pairs of sunglasses that I've picked up off the beach that haven't just been left there. They've probably fallen off when someone was on a boat or out out swimming and they've tumbled around in the ocean for a while and then they end up back on shore wrapped in a in some kelp or something. They're very worn, missing lenses and falling apart sunglasses that I found and I had such a collection of them and I decided to decorate the lenses of them with other pieces of beach plastic. So they are crazy weird glasses that people can put on. I did an event last 
a week ago Saturday in downtown Vista here in San Diego County. And one of the stations that I had there, people could put on the glasses, they could write a message on a chalkboard for the environment and then take a selfie or have someone take a picture of them wearing the glasses. And it's just fun, kooky, you look ridiculous when you have the glasses on, but one of the impactful things when you put the glasses on is you can't see because the lenses are covered with the plastic. So it makes you literally short-sighted. And then I ask the question, are you going to be short-sighted about the environment or are you going to do something that's going to make a change? I love that. I absolutely think that is so genius. And I hope that you continue to make these short-sighted shades and that as many people as possible can put them on and have fun with them and also make some kind of commitment to not being short-sighted with their plastic use in their own lives. So seriously awesome idea. I love it. And uh, I hope to be able to put a pair on one day myself. Absolutely. I'm going to get you in a picture with those on making your short-sighted pledge. And so we've talked about how you document the plastic pollution that you find on the beach. We talked about how you collect it and you make art out of it. On top of all that, you also are great at solving mysteries behind the trash that you find on the beach, which I think is really awesome. And one story in particular that has been all over publications here in San Diego County over the last few weeks is this story of how you are finding these weird little white plastic things that you didn't know what they were on the beaches all the, all the time over the course of the last few years. And you were able to actually work with a few organizations, make some phone calls, and figure out what these things are, where they're coming from, and how they're ending up on the beaches. And some really cool actions been taken. Can you explain to listeners the story behind it? What, what are those things? Who would you work with to figure it out? And what action is being taken to stop that plastic from your documenting and collecting and, and your care, really, for the environment? Absolutely. It's been really fun, actually, to get that, get it figured out and to have some action actually take place. It gives me hope that there are other things that I and other people can actually make a change and it could be real. So, yes, I've been finding these little plastic pieces. I've been calling them sprockets for three years, probably, and had posted them on Instagram a couple of times. And the first time I posted them, several people from around the world commented that they were biofilters or biomedia. They had different names for them and told me that they were used in aquaculture, in aquariums, in um, sewage treatment plants. So when I heard sewage treatment plant, the a little bell went off for me because there is a sewage treatment plant very near where I walk. So, of course, I assumed that they were the culprits. And at some point, I contacted them, and they assured me that they they don't use that type of biofilter and that they weren't coming from their facility. And I believed them, but I was frustrated, and I wanted to figure it out. And I posted to social media again. And Toby Brown, who's the founder of Just Grab It, who's incentivizing people to pick up litter and post and document and do all those things that I've been doing. He actually messaged me on Facebook and said, and asked me some questions about them and, 
and then suggested that I contact San Diego Coast Keeper or the Waterkeeper organization and actually sent me um, a link. And I said, wow, that's great. And the next day, I think I emailed Matt O'Malley, who's the um, legal advisor for San Diego Coast Keeper, got in touch with him, and he was very interested. I sent him some photos. He continued to be interested. Um, and then my husband and I actually went down to his office and took some of the biofilters with us, and the scientist there was very interested. And they actually shared them with the regional water board. And they tied it all back somehow to Hub Sea World Research Institute in Carlsbad in the Agua Hedionda Lagoon. And the regional water board went and did a, an inspection of the facility and then subsequently issued them a letter asking them to quit polluting the ocean with plastic or then be fined a certain amount of money. So that all happened the end of July, beginning of August. I haven't heard since what's transpired with their conversations between Coast Keeper, the Regional Water Board, and the Hub Sea World facility. I think Hub Sea World is still trying to come under compliance and everybody's trying to figure out what exactly has been happening there that those were escaping. But yeah, so exciting and so cool to kind of get that figured out and to know that if we speak up, if we say something, if we talk to people, that we might actually be able to resolve some of these issues and make an actual change. Yeah, I think it's such an inspiring story. I mean, it's absolutely amazing what you've been able to accomplish in collaboration with San Diego Coastkeeper and and the Water Advisory Board. And then with the help of social media, again, going back to that community of people that are there that, if, you know, reach out to people through social media that you don't necessarily know, but like connecting with you and you coming to the school and then connecting with the Scrabbits. And it's just amazing the way that we can connect with people that we never could have in the past. Yeah, and I think that the fact that we can connect with so many it can really empower us to feel like we really can make a difference, you know, because individually it can feel hard. Like they're some big corporation or there's all this litter on the beach and I'm just one person. But I think you are an amazing example of you can work with people on your social media network and you can work with people in your town and your city and you can actually uncover mysteries about these problems facing the ocean. So yeah, super inspiring. And for listeners that have been inspired by what Janice is doing, I will be linking to her blog site when I post this podcast episode. Her blog site, you can find it at writetheworld.me. She posts on there really regularly and also posts a lot of the photos that she takes of the trash that she finds on the beach. So you guys can check out her blog site and also connect with her there if you feel inspired by what she said. I will also link to her Facebook Twitter and Instagram accounts. She's on there also doing the same thing. You guys can give her some likes and some follows, connect with her just like I have through social media and see what happens, see what positive change we can create for the ocean. So Janice, I want to thank you for all that you're doing for the ocean. You are truly showing that we can all make a difference and utilize the tools that we have and the passion that we have to help the ocean. I also want to thank you for being on the show today. I really enjoyed talking with you. Well, thank you, Allison. I appreciate everything that you're doing and I'm so inspired by 
you out there making these changes, doing everything that you're doing. Young people like you give me a lot of hope that there's going to be real changes happening very soon. You just heard Janice Selby-Jones, resource teacher in Oceanside, California, with a passion for documenting, collecting, transforming, and uncovering the mysteries behind beach litter she finds on her local beach. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit my website at alisonrandolph.com. And to help keep the podcast coming, contribute a dollar or more per episode at www.patreon.com slash oceanallison. And don't forget to enter Bodie Surf School's fourth annual Ocean Guardians contest between October 1st and October 10th. And tune into next week's episode to hear another conversation between me and someone creating positive change for the ocean.